Usually when you're feeling sick, you notice that you feel better after waking up from a nap or when you wake up in the morning. And it's usually pretty gradual. You feel like 20% better each day until you're totally better. And it happens gradually enough that it's hard to pinpoint the exact moment where you knew that you felt fully better. But today I experienced that moment, definitively, where I felt better and I never looked back. I'd felt tired and run down the past few days and today was no exception. But something magical happened at the end of the day. And I don't know if it was the adrenaline pushing me over the finish line into feeling healthy again, or if it was just a total coincidence, but I can point out that precise moment. And it's pretty cool. I'm Giulio Gallerati, and this is Pack Light Season 1, A COVID-Friendly Road Trip. You really notice the little things when you spend enough time alone, and I intend to walk you through every little detail of the trip. These are my free-flowing thoughts as I drive around the country. At the end of the episode, there are more details about where to find pictures, links to music, and some other cool stuff. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Idaho was very nice and lived up to the unusually high price tag. I guess, like I said before, there were no more rooms left around Yellowstone. The bed was huge and very fresh looking. And the room was like white and black, very sleek, with a couch and the desk area partitioned the room into two, with the couch being in the living room area. Also a really big bathroom. But I always find it funny that unless you're staying at a five-star hotel, your bathroom is probably extremely average along with the like shampoos, soaps, moisturizer. Even if the room's really sick, that stuff will be lacking unless you're staying at like the top, top hotels. But I slept great. I woke up feeling like 20% better, crushed the pod, put away my ring light and my mic for good, packed up my toiletries, and I proceeded to the lobby where I grabbed the continental breakfast that had been bagged individually, I guess as like a COVID precaution. I microwaved that disgusting breakfast sandwich and ate it to hold me over till later. I was a little conflicted about my route for the day. There were a couple of cool park sites to be seen in Montana, including the Little Bighorn Monument, but I felt like I didn't see enough Yellowstone, and I wanted to drive through the northern part of the park. I think I had done that last time too, but I wanted to really soak it in as I didn't feel my best yesterday. I wanted to hit Yellowstone with fresh energy, but I had to pick between the two. I wasn't going to have the time to go through Yellowstone and also hit the spots in Montana. So Yellowstone it is. I would hit it hard and then head to Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota. I stepped outside the hotel around 8.30 a.m. It was quiet and peaceful along the Henry's Fork River. That day, a TV show that I had shot in 2017 that I thought would never see the light of day finally came out on Amazon Prime. It's called Big Dogs. I wasn't sure if the pandemic shutting down production on projects had anything to do with this show coming out like three years after it was being shot. But it seemed like everything that wasn't commercial had been put on hold for now. So the idea of a studio taking a show that was already completely finished in the can and like releasing it now that there was no other content to be released, that didn't seem that crazy to me. If you can't tell, as the actor, they don't usually tell you this kind of stuff unless you're like tight with the producer or something. But I look back fondly on that show. I'd made some really great friends, all people who I'm still in touch with. I wasn't really in the show much. 
It was one of those rare situations where I probably had two or three lines, but was in six or seven scenes. Most notably, a scene where I get shot in the chest. First time dying in a big production. (laughs) I remember the night they killed me off. They wanted to put squibs in my shirt, which basically means they just put little explosives in there to make it seem like you're actually getting shot without having to use as much time editing to make it look real afterward. I double-checked with them to make sure it was absolutely necessary because in an ideal scenario, I don't want like explosives being rigged up to my shirt, you know? They ended up deciding that it actually was completely unnecessary to do it. And at the time, I was like, oh, maybe it won't look real and maybe they'll cut me out of the scene, but it ended up making the final cut, so awesome. And it ended up being fortunate because at around 5 a.m., an explosion that they created on set for the scene ended up being like five times more powerful than they expected. I literally saw the air move when it went off, like a bomb. It was crazy. My ears were ringing for like a week afterward. It was not cool. But anyway, that told me that the explosives guy maybe wasn't the best, and I was happy that I avoid rigging those explosives to my shirt. Moral of the story, avoid stunts at all costs. (laughs) But in classic actor form, I found the scene where they killed me off so I could see how it turned out without actually watching any of the show. Anyway, after I finished fast-forwarding through a bunch of episodes to actually find that scene... I realized that there was only two more nights and I would be in Chicago. I was ready. But I still had some exciting stuff to see and two new states to visit that I had never been to. And I was really still looking forward to it. I walked out to the river to hear the birds chirp and to soak in some calm before I continued on my way. I saw this guy fly fishing and he was literally texting and fishing. I think. There's a chance that he was just adjusting his lure in hindsight, but there was something hilarious to me about the idea of texting while you're standing in the middle of a river. Very modern. The river looked like what you'd picture a beautiful stay outside of Yellowstone would look like. A picturesque, calm river with a little dock and the same conifers you'd see on a much bigger scale in the actual park itself. The calm water reflecting the bright blue sky and fluffy clouds like a mirror. Once this hotel is done with construction, it will be very nice. I definitely recommend it if you don't mind coughing up the cash. Even though I was annoyed that I hadn't planned the hotel situation in Yellowstone that well, it was nice to be back in Idaho and nice to add another state to my total number of states visited on this two-week journey. First stop of the day, the northern part of Yellowstone. I stopped at some more incredible scenic overlooks. I'm telling you, the way to do Yellowstone is to take your time. Spend the whole day there, spend the whole week there. Don't act like you have a destination because if you do, it'll just make you anxious that you keep stopping. The goal needs to be to keep stopping. I unfortunately needed to keep it moving, especially if I wanted to make it to Theodore Roosevelt National Park in Medora, North Dakota by nightfall. I'm not sure if the altitude is a bit lower in this part of the park, or if the weather was just better, but it was definitely a bit warmer today. I remember it being really warm when I came around the same time in 2015, but again, I was mostly in the eastern part of the park, and I guess the northern part of the park as well. I spent a couple more hours in the park today. Still no animals. But once we got to the parking lot, 
I guess by we, I mean me, <laughs> once I got to the parking lot, which made me remember that I had seen this parking lot before. I saw elk wandering around, just like last time. Elk are such odd creatures to me. Being from the Northeast and being used to deer, and since elk look so much like deer, I'm just like used to deer behavior. In other words, I expect the elk to sprint away at the slightest move of any human. But elk are just chilling. There was a mother elk and a baby elk just wandering through the parking lot, almost as if they had forgotten where they had parked. <laughs> just casually strolling through the parking lot, looking around with a look on their face like, I could have sworn I parked in this row. Where the hell's the, I could have sworn it was, <laughs> it's quite a sight. This route lets you out in Montana, and there's a little town situation nearby with some food options. I walked into the first place I saw, and they took what seemed like forever to bring me a menu. So I got frustrated and I left. I'm glad I did because the place that I ended up was awesome. I ended up in this sort of coffee shop hang setup with a cool and modern menu called the Wonderland Cafe that was attached to a lodge apparently that I didn't see. I hadn't come across a ton of this type of place. Kind of like a millennial-inspired coffee shop vibe, with a menu more like something I was used to seeing in New York City. It wasn't the, like, hokey outpost cowboy vibe that a lot of these places have. This looked like a place that they had oat milk and was good for hanging out with your laptop. As I had become accustomed to doing at this point in the trip, I was prepared to overorder because I was intrigued by a couple different menu items, most notably being the elk chili. I'd been trying to eat some gamey food and most of the places that I had ended up just didn't have it. In the restaurant, there were these really cool, beautiful original photographs, presumably for sale, of the different Yellowstone wildlife, which was a really nice touch, I thought, especially for a place that was trying to be modern as well. To hedge my bets, I ordered the chicken sandwich, which was a little rich for me, but good if you're into that sort of thing. It was grilled free-range chicken on a ciabatta roll, if I recall with cheese and bacon and basil aioli. I think that like cheese, bacon, and aioli together is a bit much, but whatever. But the elk chili was incredible. It came with this homemade jalapeno cornbread. It was fresh and spicy and kind of light. I feel like you know that like that style of chili, like a bowl of chili situation, is good when it doesn't feel like it weighs a lot, you know? It just felt light in general, both the cornbread and the chili. The elk was kind of like ground beef style, but not. It wasn't gross, it looked fresh. I know the word, at least for me, ground beef is typically not appetizing, but I promise you, if you go to this place and you think you're sort of maybe into this sort of meal, you will love it. I don't even like hamburgers, or ground meat, or chili, and I loved it, so give it a try. I love this place. Make sure you check it out if you're in the area. It was 2 p.m. when I got back on the road. Another long day behind the wheel. Surprise, surprise, brother. <laughs> I just love saying brother like that. I just find it hilarious. My boys and I, we all say it to each other ironically. Shout out Phil and Teddy and Eddie. Brother. 617 miles today, which is about 10 hours of driving. 
It was way too much, but if I kept this pace, I'd be back in Chicago with my girl, and more importantly, other people for the 4th of July. I'd even be there on the night before. Being around people literally sounded so fun at this point. <laughs> in the car, my boy Ty Guap's song, Uptown, came on randomly. In my opinion, it's one of the great song intros and one of my favorite songs of a friend that I actually like. Not just because he's my friend. Shout out to the Rec House boys up in the Bronx. I also had a very nice surprise that a national monument, Pompeii's Pillar, happened to be directly off the highway on my route, and I didn't even know it was coming up. Like I said before, some national monuments are not part of the national park system, and this was one of them. I'd forgotten to check the list of monuments in Montana. It was just like a very cool looking freestanding bluff. I got there at 4.51 and it was closed, but you can clearly see it from the gate, so sweet. This was nice too, since I decided to bypass all of the Montana attractions. Plus, an unexpected national park or monument on a road trip is always an amazing feeling. When I initially tried to get there, I put it in the GPS and accidentally put in an auto body shop named Pompey's Pillar. And I ended up at some dead end road with people staring at me. <laughs> Not ideal. But there were signs everywhere, so I ended up finding my way, obviously. I remember the last time I was in Montana with my buddy Benny, who I was road tripping with. He remembered, right while we were still in Yellowstone, that it was his boy from college's birthday. And he hadn't seen this guy since college, and it was one of his best friends. This was literally like eight years later. He was like, dude, let's surprise him. I was like, all right, sweet, cool idea. It was a, get this, it was an 800 mile detour, which at the time seemed like nothing. Again, this was my first road trip. I definitely still haven't learned my lesson, but I may not have chosen to do that today, especially since we partied hard that night. I woke up hungover and had to drive to Portland, which was super far away. I also, that was like the morning I got that weird news about my girlfriend that I told you guys in the earlier episode. I don't know. Another weird thing that I noticed about in Montana was that people drive drunk. And like, not just from what I noticed, but I asked people and they were like, yeah, people do drive drunk here. And they also drive insanely fast, which is not a good combo. And apparently per capita, there are a lot of drunk driving accidents and deaths. So slow down folks. And also maybe don't drink behind the wheel. <laughs> Three and a half hours to go. It was about 5 p.m. I was hoping to get to the Roosevelt Park in time to see some kind of beautiful sunset. If I could make it in time, it would be perfect since the hotel was right next to the park. So I wasn't too discouraged by the idea of it getting dark in the park. Driving through Yellowstone again was worth it, if only for the peace of mind. Even though I didn't see anything new or any animals, I would have been upset with myself if I rushed Yellowstone any more than I already had. As I was having these thoughts, I noticed the giant North Dakota sign. At 8 p.m., I crossed the border into North Dakota. That felt like an accomplishment. North Dakota had always seemed so random and elusive to me. I had read a bunch about the fracking towns filled with men, where you could earn a pretty good wage, but where men significantly outnumber women. I always thought it was probably a great place to be a stripper. That's not the trip I was doing here, but I associated North Dakota as being a place that people didn't visit very often. I think that is often the most interesting thing about a place to me, not knowing many people who have gone there. It kind of makes it mysterious and it gives it a kind of specific allure that makes me proud to visit places that I don't know anyone who's gone there before, you know? There are three different areas of Theodore Roosevelt National Park, and they're not particularly close to each other. They're literally on different parts of the state. There's the North Unit, the South Unit, and the Elkhorn Unit. This is another cool thing about the national park system. 
Literally every unit is its own interesting thing, layout and setup-wise. No two parks are alike, truly. I would be visiting the South Unit in Medora. It started to trigger my OCD a bit that I wouldn't have time to explore all the different units, but it reminded me that Hillary had dubbed this trip Julio's OCD Bucket List Trip. <laughs> Pretty funny job. The topography was what I would expect. Some jagged rocks and bluffs, getting smaller as you drove east, but still beautiful. The park had a Badland vibe to it. Much more untouched and untraveled than the Badlands, though, and much more spread out. The scenic drive was beautiful, and I got there right around sunset. There was also pretty much nobody there, which was awesome. I drove very slowly around this sharp corner, and thank God that I did, because standing right there on the side of the road was this enormous bison, right there, grazing peacefully. I stopped to take some selfies and pics and videos and all of that. It was incredible that this bison was just sitting there and not moving. He was very peacefully grazing as if nobody was there. He didn't even notice me. There was something about this wildlife sighting that was very satisfying. Because I've learned it's not always the animal you see, but how you saw the animal. What was the animal doing? Where were they? How close could you get? Well, if I were to have rolled my window down, I could have literally pet this bison. And I've been fortunate enough to see plenty of bison. And this was definitely the biggest one I had seen and by far the closest that I was able to get. If you're not sure what I mean about the animal thing, here's an example. A couple months later from this exact moment, I was in Denali National Park, like I said, and we saw four or five huge grizzly bears. But the only problem was they were literally 300 yards away. So you could just see this little speck of a grizzly bear. So while it's sick that I saw a grizzly bear, I would much prefer to see a giant bison two feet away than a grizzly bear 300 feet away even though ultimately, pound for pound, I'd rather see a grizzly bear. If I could see both of them from close up, it would be a grizzly bear, assuming that I was in shelter and was safe because <laughs> obviously grizzly bears, if they mistake you for prey, they might eat you, so you gotta be careful. But that's my point. The other seemingly incredible detail about this sighting of the bison was that I don't know what happened or if I didn't notice what was going on or something, but the second that I saw this bison, I suddenly felt completely healthy, rested, not sick at all. It was a crazy turn. I'm not sure if I just didn't notice before, but like, I credit this bison with curing me. The magical bison. I drove around a bit more to some scenic overlooks and took some incredible sunset pictures with the pink sky. The hotel was in nearby Dickinson, home to Dickinson State University. I saw a bunch of signs for it. American by Wyndham was my spot. Another place with a pool that was open that I wouldn't be using for 93 bucks, not bad. And it was reasonably nice. It was in another classic urban sprawl kind of area, coffee and McDonald's nearby and an Applebee's which is where I decided to go for dinner. I'd spent a lot of money and I was tired. It was right next to the hotel. I figured, let's do it. North Dakota, like I said earlier, no mask wearing. This is July 1st, 2020. And let's not forget that everywhere else I had been besides the Dakotas, I saw some masks. And I literally was in half of the country. So this again also is just based solely on what I saw, but these are the facts. 
I sat at the bar. People were pretty drunk. And here's an example of how drunk. Multiple tables of people who didn't know each other were singing Sweet Caroline together, drunkenly. So good, so good, so good. The waitresses seemed annoyed, and also like they were having to work harder than the average waitress to keep everyone in line. I ordered the salmon, the, the Applebee's salmon, with a side of broccoli and string beans, which for 15 bucks, I would characterize that as suspiciously affordable salmon. <laughs> I needed to eat something healthier with how heavy I'd been eating on this trip. In the past, I had done all of my road trips with the assistance of Adderall. I never thought I would be able to do this kind of trip without it. Now, let me clarify that I had a prescription, and for the most part, I did not abuse it. Though I do recall taking a little bit more than my usual dosage on past road trips. But at the beginning of this year, I decided I would stop taking it forever. And the road trip was no exception. And quite frankly, though I was tired at times, I was really proud that I didn't need it or use it at all. I got back to my hotel room actually feeling really great. It's almost like I was so exhausted that I went fully all the way around and was just suddenly rested. So I went to bed feeling really good. Two more days on the road coming up. Hopefully nothing bad would happen and I would make it back unscathed. On the next episode of Pack Light, I have an on-road confrontation with a couple of bikers. I drive down an enchanted highway, and I make the same stop Lewis and Clark made 168 days into their famous journey. Check out the YouTube channel for the entire episode, and check out at Pack Light Picks for some videos and pictures of stuff, as well as the checklist of all the stops that I made if you want to try to do a similar trip yourself. There's a link to my playlist in the episode description as well. Message me on my Instagram at notjulio, that's N-O-T-J-U-L-I-O, and let me know your thoughts and suggestions and anything you have to say, really. I would love to hear from you.